0: Everyone. Good to see you all. Hope you've all had a good weeks. The sunshine makes a difference to me. I don't know about you, but I enjoy it when the sun comes out and the lighter evenings. It's much better that way, and helps with my birthdays this month. So, and has been. You don't need to do anything. Different, so. <laughs> so, if you will get straight to it, if you'd like to turn to page eight hundred and sixty-four of the chapel bibles. We're looking at the entirety of Ezekiel thirty-three. Thanks there. <laughs> so I'll give you a few seconds to find it. So Ezekiel thirty three, page eight hundred and sixty-four, overlapping onto eight hundred and sixty five of the chapel Bibles. The word of the Lord came to me. "'Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, "'When I bring the sword against the land "'and the people of the land choose one of their men "'and make him their watchman, "'and he sees the sword coming against the land "'and blows the trumpet to warn the people, "'then if anyone hears the trumpet "'but does not heed the warning "'and the sword comes and takes their life, "'their blood will be on their own head, "'since they heard the sound of the trumpet "'but did not heed the warning.' Their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. Son of man, say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offences and sins weigh us down and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? Therefore, son of man, say to your people, if someone who is righteous disobeys that person's former righteousness will count for nothing. And if someone who is wicked repents, that person's former wickedness will not bring condemnation. The righteous person who sins will not be allowed to live, even though they were formerly righteous. If I tell a righteous person that they will surely live, that then they trust in their righteousness and do evil, none of the righteous things that person has done will be remembered. They will die through the evil they have done. And if I say to a wicked person, you will surely die. But they then turn away from their sin and do what is just and right. If they give back what they took in pledge for a loan, return what they have stolen, follow the decrees of that give life and do no evil, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the sins that person has committed will be remembered against them. They have done what is just and right. They will surely live. Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just, but it is their way that is not just. If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, they will die for it. And if a wicked person turns away from their wickedness and does what is just and right, they will live by doing so. Yet you Israelites say, the way of the Lord is not just, but I will judge each of you according to your own ways. Almost there. Verse 21, in the 12th year of our exile, in the 10th month, on the 5th day, a man who had escaped from Jerusalem came to me and said, The city has fallen. Now the evening before the man arrived, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he opened my mouth before the man came to me in the morning. So my mouth was opened, and I was no longer silent. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the people are living in those ruins in the land of Israel, and are saying... Abraham was only one man, yet he possessed the land. But we are many, surely the land has been given to us as our possession. Therefore say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Since you eat meat with blood, with the blood still in it, and look to your idols and shed blood, should you then possess the land? You rely on your sword, you do detestable things, and each of you defiles his neighbor's wife. Should you then possess the land? Say this to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, as surely as I live, those who are left in the ruins will fall by the sword. Those out in the country I will give to the wild animals to be devoured, and those in strongholds and caves will die of the plague. I will make the land a desolate waste, and her proud strength will come to an end, and the mountains of Israel will become desolate, so that no one will cross them. Then they will know that I am the Lord, when I have made the land a desolate waste, because of all the detestable things they have done. As for you, son of man, your people are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do, and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words but do not put them into practice. When all this comes true, and it surely will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Shall we pray? Yeah, Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can always learn from your word because your word is alive and we thank you for each, of, each and every word that we have just read each and every word we have just listened to and we ask Holy Spirit would you bring it to life to us that we would hear from you and be changed by you in Jesus name Amen well that was a lot a lot of Bible, and I'd be lying if I said planning and preparing for this morning had been straightforward and easy. The book of Ezekiel is the opposite. Uh, so I decided I'd make it easier for myself, and therefore you, you're welcome. We're going to be looking at this chapter in three segments. And the first segment is God's heart. Arguably the most important, probably the most important segment that we're going to be exploring this morning. And I feel that we hear God's heart in verse 11 of this chapter, which says, Say to them, As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? In a chapter that is saturated with words like judgment, wickedness, evil, ruin, and unjust, in verse 11 we hear some words not from Ezekiel, but from the Sovereign Lord himself. He begins by saying, as surely as I live. This is a very powerful introduction, declaration from our Sovereign Lord. Our Lord was there at the very beginning. He is fully present with each of us now and will continue to be with us into the future. As the psalmist writes in verse 14 of Psalm 48, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. There is no beginning nor end to God. Therefore, you could say it's an eternal promise from God. The heart that God has for all humanity, not just us in this building, not just for people in churches, but all humanity. God is not cruel, absent, distant, or disinterested with us. Isn't it scary how quickly we can believe that and how easy it is to believe that? On our own we are wicked, we have all fallen short of God's glory, and we will trip up again and again and again. But let's remain mindful that there is no pleasure in God that we should die. God does not find delight and satisfaction in us dying. And by dying, I mean the end. When we die, that's it. No, God, instead, in his infinite and endless love and his inconceivable patience, offers us a way out. That we would turn from our ways, turn from our wickedness and turn back to him. It is when we turn from our wicked ways that we will live. It is God's heart that we will live, that we will live, lead this earthly life to join him in eternal life. That we would finish, as Tom Wright, the New Testament scholar, beautifully writes, the dress rehearsal and be part of the play that is eternal life with our maker and our creator. This life is just for dress rehearsal. We have a play that we can be a part of. And God wants us to be a part of it. I don't know about you, but I can hear the heart, the emotion of God in the line of scripture here, turn. Turn from your evil ways. A. W. Tozer writes of God not needing us. Of course he doesn't. He is totally self-sufficient. And yet he wants us. God wants you doesn't need you but he wants you turn turn from your evil ways to me this sentence speaks of the desire that God has for his people for me for you for us for each and every family member or friend that we've spent time praying for that we would turn from our evil thoughts words and deeds and instead look to him the one who saw our unformed bodies. The one who knitted us together in our mother's wombs. The one who looks at you and says, Masterpiece. Turning to him it is repentance. It is changing our direction from sinner to saved. As Bonhoeffer wrote, Repentance is ultimate honesty. I believe God is calling his church, his bride, to be honest with him again. No more pretending. In fact, I feel that quite strongly on God's heart. Stop pretending. His understanding has no limit. We don't need to pretend. Let us turn from our evil and back to the one who is eternal. And yet, as humans, we are fickle, flighty, and erratic. And in verse 17, I believe we see what can so often be our heart. Yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just, but it is their way that is not just. We, like those in this account, can fall into saying similar statements. It is sad and scary to me that the church more widely, the church with a capital C, is choosing the fear of the world over the fear of the Lord. And that one's mindsets can very easily drift into thinking, that the way of the Lord is not just, it's not right, it's not true. We can and so easily spend time denying that God is fair, that he is not fair and in him not being fair, his ways are unfair. Without his spirit, without his living presence inside of us, our hearts are hard. Our hearts are stubborn, reluctant, so we need the presence and power of Jesus. It is his presence, his power that keeps our hearts soft. When we get frustrated with God, annoyed at what, his, what can look like and feel like his lack of care. Maybe we need to ask ourselves the question, and I'm challenging myself here too. How's my heart? We as fallen human beings often choose to be selfish over surrender. We choose to be disobedient over dependent. So let's be honest with ourselves on a regular basis and hold each other accountable as brothers and sisters of asking the question, how's my heart? And then knowing that God takes no delight in us dying and offer our hearts to him no matter the state of it. No more pretending. That we would invite the one who is light and life to breathe his breath of life on our hearts again. That they would be soft towards him, responsive to what he may be saying and declaring that he and his ways are just. That like wax, we would be melted by his love. His mercy, His grace, again and again and again. And so, in understanding more of God's heart, it should cause a shift in us wanting to change our own hearts. And when this occurs, we, like Ezekiel, will discover our call to be watchmen and women of King Jesus. We, as the people and children of God, have a responsibility to share the truth and reality of God's love. And we need to turn back to him. The world is perishing. The world needs Jesus. It takes one look at the BBC News app or whatever app you look at for news. The world needs Jesus the world needs light and how is he going to shine that light you me us and I'm really struck this morning it was two words that I really felt just come to mind it was the simple thing of Jesus cares he cares for those people you've been praying for but he also cares for you. He's heard every prayer. Jesus cares. It's so easy to get disheartened at the lack of progress, but Jesus cares, and the world needs us to step up and take a stand for him. In the first six verses of Ezekiel 33, we read, the word of the Lord came to me, "'Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, "'When I bring the sword against the land "'and the people of the land choose one of their men "'and make him their watchman, "'and he sees the sword coming against the land "'and blows the trumpet to warn the people, "'then if anyone hears the trumpet "'but does not heed the warning, "'and the sword comes and takes their life, "'their blood will be on their own head. "'Since they heard the sound of the trumpet, "'but they did not heed the warning,' Their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if a watchman sees sees the sword coming, and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. We need to blow our trumpets again we need to start blowing our trumpets and i don't mean a literal trumpet i don't even know how one of those works i mean our spiritual trumpets in the well-known verse of john 3:16, we read for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son but wait there's more it goes on to say that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It is our job to share the gift of Jesus. That those that we're praying for, those that we're interceding for, those that we're contending for, would not perish but have eternal life. We are to introduce people to Jesus knowing that when they believe in him they will not perish but share in the gift The greatest gift of eternal life. That death will be no more. In the wonderful Christmas carol. It feels a bit weird to be saying that on a day like today. Hark the herald angels sing. We sing the wonderful truth that we enter into. As followers of Jesus. Born that man and woman no more may die. Jesus was born that man no more may die Jesus has the victory let's share in his victory jumping to the New Testament because I'm currently doing an assignment on a story in the Old Testament and a story in the New Testament and how the narrative biblical narrative runs through the whole Bible and it's really opened up my eyes to the Intense parallels between the two. Those people that say Old Testament is boring. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, some of it is. (laughs) But, But how important it is. And the parallels are in it. And if we didn't have the Old Testament, we definitely wouldn't have the New Testament. And so in Luke 19, we meet Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And how Jesus identified him personally. He literally said, Zacchaeus. And they shared dinner with one another. But I love how it started with him identifying him first. It wasn't just like, man in the tree, come down. Random person, come down. Jesus knew his name. And through the presence of Jesus and asking, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? I believe we can hear similar things. We can hear the trauma someone is facing. We can hear of the heartache. We can hear of the pain and say, This is difficult at the moment, isn't it? How's your mum? How's your sister? How's the grief of this? And then, yeah, we read of Jesus sharing dinner with Zacchaeus, which results in his salvation. We do a lot of eating at the chapel. Wouldn't it be cool if we started seeing salvations while we ate together? (laughs) And yet it's interesting how the response from the onlookers, a lot of them would have known about Jesus, were disgusted. They were hard-hearted, in their attitude. But at the end of that story, in verse 10, we read, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And it's here where I think we see the three segments we've explored this morning. We see God's heart, our heart, and the watchman. We see that God's heart is to seek and save. Always has been, always will be to seek and save. I think we can so easily focus on the saving bit, but the seeking. Jesus has got his big pair of binoculars almost, we could see it as, thinking you, 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 you. And our hearts are lost without him. I think it's amazing how dad picked that song in fact, all of the songs I was moved by this morning, that our hearts are lost without him. We are wayward people. And there is a need for him that I believe we need to step into. That almost on the knees, in tears, kind of, I need you. because without him, our hearts are lost. And the final segment about Jesus being, about the watchman calling. I believe Jesus is the ultimate example of a watchman. He is calling and drawing all humanity to himself. There's a verse I can't remember where it is, but it says that Jesus intercedes on our behalf. That should bring so much comfort that the family member we've been praying for, the friends that we've been praying for, that random mum that happens to come along to parents of the group, we can find comfort that Jesus is interceding for us, that we would intercede for them that we would see them saved by him. And when I felt down and a bit low, because we all do, what comfort it is that Jesus intercedes for us. It's not just a simple prayer. Intercede is like fervent praying, continual praying, declaring truth over you, love over you, life over you. That's a great source of motivation Not not self-help books, but realising and remembering that Jesus intercedes for us. Where you're interceding for your family, he's interceding for you. And it's in his power, in his presence, that we will see people saved.